Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Preacher Boys podcast. I make this show for you, and I hope that you really enjoy it. I have a lot of people that ask me how they can support the show financially, and you can do that by heading over to patreon.com slash preacherboys. You're going to get access to exclusive content, including early releases of episodes. I've got a couple episodes right now that have been released at least a month early over on Patreon. You've got access to things like unique merch, depending on what tier you join, and you get access to some behind-the-scenes content that I'm posting within the group. So head over to patreon.com slash preacherboys and become a member over there today. Every single supporter helps make this show a little bit more possible, especially as I continue to add additional episodes and content every single week. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get back to the show. With all the anger that I dealt with at home and the, and the yelling and the screaming and the irrational slander that happened there, and then go to church and then no matter what I did, it was manipulated to make me the bad guy. And then I go to Crown and, and Fairhaven. No matter what I do, it's wrong. And everyone is yelling. And I guess you could say over a lifetime of screaming, I'm tired of it. Trigger warning. This podcast contains descriptions of various abusive situations. Listener discretion is advised. You are listening to the Preacher Boys Podcast, a podcast shedding light on decades of mental, physical, and sexual abuse within the independent fundamental Baptist movement. The testimonies shared on this podcast are told from the personal experience and perspective of the survivors. Not all legal outcomes are known or final. Any suspect is presumed innocent until proven guilty in the court of law. To find more information about the Preacher Boys podcast and upcoming documentary, visit PreacherBoysDoc.com or connect on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at PreacherBoysDoc. Now, here is your host... Eric Skwarzynski. All right, Will, thank you so much for joining me on the Preacher Boys podcast. Can you kind of personally introduce yourself and let my audience know a little bit about you? Yeah, my name is Will. Um, I do the Church Split. That's uh, my podcast. And my whole thing uh, with that is uh, as a pastor, someone who came out of the IFB for one, I came out of the IFB and one of the biggest things that I, many people know who come out of the IFB is that you can't ask questions. Mm-hmm. And if you disagree, it's a problem. So uh, after experiencing a lot of that, then jumping out of it, then I started pastoring a church and I experienced some church splits because again, there was legalists in the church and a lot of issues there. And it started really bothering me, the fact that Christians have no way to talk about divisive topics. There's no biblical objectivity and no unity in the differences, you know, unity through diversity. So then I decided, you know, during my pastor, I'm going to start a channel that discusses that. So that is what I do. Um, I, you know, I help in ministry. I do all sorts of different things. The channel focuses on anything that's divisive, uh, that the church wants to, should, or wants to talk about. And they're allowed to disagree with me. And I actually completely welcome that. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's a short bit of what I do. Um, but you know, married and all that good stuff, I have a daughter on the way. So that's exciting, but awesome. otherwise I, my life is boring. <laughs> okay. It's not gonna be boring <laughs> for long. <laughs> so is this your first, first kid? Uh, yes, my first child. I am terrified. Well, first biological. We've we've taken in some teenagers. Okay, so first time yeah. from the diaper up. <laughs> right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. It's uh, my daughter's three, so it's a uh, it's a big game changer. And I, and my thing is, I just don't feel old enough to be like responsible for a child. It's like I remember <laughs> playing Xbox and drinking Mountain Dew all night, and now I'm like, you know, making sure that she's taken care of. But 
Literally, um, I was saying, like, I don't even remember my own lunch, let alone I have to feed a human soon. That's right, crazy. Right. <laughs> um, so, so you mentioned, like, obviously, like a very condensed version of your church background and, like, kind of alluded to kind of a chaotic kind of uh, path and trajectory through the church world. But what was your introduction to the IFB movement specifically? Um, I guess I was always raised in it. Uh, when uh, I was a child, uh, my parents took me to uh, independent fundamental Baptist church as a child. My dad got angry at the pastor for some reason, moved, went to a Bible church for a short bit, but the, this Bible church was like diet Baptist, so to speak. Right. And then we went to a, a place called Calvary Baptist, and that was very IFE. It was really weird, though, because the pastor himself is like, not really fully IFB, but he placates to that kind of crowd. So a lot of people, you know, he just, he doesn't seem to want to get into the weeds of it. So the, the church's culture was IFB. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of things I found out later. I used to be very bitter at him until I realized later that he had no idea what was being going on beneath his own pastor at half the time. So, right. um, yep. So I went there and I was always raised in it and around it. And so I was told everything from the ground up, like, you know, I could never be left in a room alone with a girl. So everyone, if, the youth room had all emptied out and I was still in the conversation. Then somebody would walk in and freak out. Um, <laughs> Cause of course you can't have platonic friendships, but anyway, um, then yeah, I went to, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll go ahead and get into that later. But yeah, so I was always raised in it. Uh, my life was always saturated in the IFB. It's all I ever knew. Right. Right. Um, before we move on, I, I think you just mentioned something and it's something I haven't talked about in like the 70 episodes of the show so far, but it's something I think about a lot. Um, but you mentioned, you know, the pastor wasn't really full IFB. Um, maybe some of the staff weren't as well. I'm not sure. But uh, he, you said he kind of placated that that crowd in the church and like the majority of the church was that way. And and this is something I had a conversation about with someone recently is for a movement that preaches against the seeker sensitive kind of churches, IFB churches are very seeker friendly to people who like IFB churches. And um, is that something you noticed a lot is a lot of times where maybe the staff didn't fully buy into the message completely, but they knew that's what would keep the congregants happy? Or was that something unique to this first church experience? No, uh, absolutely. That's actually something I've experienced as a, as a wide whole. It was always something that's very strange to me because they always talk about, you know, well, we have to stand for truth. We have to stand right. for truth. And then as soon as this kind of thing would come up where somebody might disagree on, maybe somebody having to wear a tie if they're singing up front or some these right. small little things. Well, we don't want to upset anybody. I'm like, well, I thought the goal is truth, yeah. you know? So, uh, and that always rubbed me wrong when I was in high school. I'm like, I don't understand. I have a story about that, but yeah, no, I did notice many times uh, that that was kind of the issue. And a lot of people, even on staff didn't necessarily agree, but other staff members did. So people just placated to that. And yeah. then what ends up happening is that you just end up becoming completely slanted as a church and kind of disingenuous. Right. Um, and like I said, I was bitter at my pastor for a long time. I thought I was very angry and just thought I, and then once I realized that he's actually, I should have a lot of respect for the man now. Um, but at the same time, I definitely have disagreements clearly. But right. Anyway. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a hard balance. You know, it's, um, I've heard that the metaphor of like trying to steer the ship without breaking the boat in half, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> But it is, it's a hard balance between, you know, you don't want to be abrasive and just rip things from people. You want to teach them and, and show them. But I feel like most churches stop at, regardless of what part of the spectrum, whether it's a very liberal church or a very traditional church, they tend to just ease into what the congregation expects. And there's no opportunity for change unless it's brought about by the congregation. So 
I just wanted to talk Which about is, that really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I just, I find that ironic just because it's, you know, they, as a, you know, IFB crowd is very, very conservative and they always talk about the hypersensitive snowflake liberals. <laughs> right. And I've always found it ironic that, yeah, but if we, one person steps out of line, everyone loses their mind. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, I, I even have a, a short video on my channel called don't be a snowflake Christian and it's because of that mentality. But right. anyway, yeah, I have right. noticed that. Awesome. So, so at your peak time in, of involvement in the movement at the time you were like most bought in, uh, would you say that you had a pretty positive experience? Like how would you have described your time in the movement if I was to ask you during that period of your life? Um, that's interesting because my, the time I was most bought in was late high school. Okay. Um, you know, I got saved at 17. Uh, I know I was raised in a Christian household, but my household was Christian and very much named, but what didn't always act it out. Um, you know, I actually had a kind of an abusive upbringing. I'm not going to get into all that right now. Uh, um, so it was very strange. So then I was like, I'm going to get my life right. Cause I went in, into the world and did all the worldly things, uh, behind everyone's back. And then I was like, no, I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to do this thing. And that was actually, uh, when I was about 17. So I would say that at the time, my, I actually, it was, it's kind of pathetic because I was so striving for people to take me seriously. And right. I really wanted people to like me. And what was funny is that the, the more I tried, the more it blew up in my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, um, I was, there was a, we went to on a mission trip to New Mexico and there was a girl that I was seeing at the time on the trip. And you have to understand that for those who are only listening to audio, I will do my best to describe this uh, hands, but there's this one big room and the guys were able to go downstairs together. Well, because what happens, the missionary and the pastor went out for dinner on the last night of the mission trip and said, hey, guys, you guys stay here. But boys, you guys can be downstairs. Girls, you can be over here on this side of the house. The only place you guys can be together is this big center room. And it was one of those rooms that were uh, like the living room where the kitchen was kind of attached to it in an right. open space. And then there was a balcony that came off into that open space as well. So it's this big one open space. And so while we're all hanging out, you know, the balcony door is open. People are going in and out of it. And then uh, we came back in when he came, they came back. Uh, mo- uh, most of us were all hanging on the balcony because it's a beautiful New Mexico night. And we're looking over the desert and all that. And it was really nice temperature, very strange for New Mexico. We're all enjoying the outdoors. Um, and then everyone went left. But again, these are big glass doors everyone can see out. But it was me and Erica, the girl I was seeing at the time. And we were out there. And then suddenly, of course, everyone lost their mind. And I was told I was outright disobedient. I was just, I was only told I could be in the living room. And I was like, yeah, but it's all attached. Like same with the kitchen. I, everyone just, we all had the understanding that this space, right. like, nope, you deliberately disobeyed. And it's really this big thing that um, they wanted me to apologize and go through this. And I even kind of was like, all right, well, I'll, you know, I'm sorry. And then the next morning I went, it's like, Hey, and I went to, to my youth pastor's wife, who was the one who brought this to me. Um, she was always the one to bring things up. And I just went to her and I was like, Hey, you know, I just wanted you to know the fact that I did not mean to, do, I was not deliberately disobeying. It was just ignorance. And I'm sorry. And then I was told, no, I was deliberately disobeying. So I was just like, okay, whatever. And that was kind of, for me, like I was bought in, man, I was there. And I was like, you know, I'm playing in the orchestra. I'm doing all the right things, but I seemed like no matter how much I strived, I always still failed. Right. And that's when it started really kind of getting to me where I'm like, what am I doing? Who am I trying to please? So right. anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so that would be kind of the first moment you notice like, okay, something's not quite right because no matter how much I try to kind of fit the role, 
there's going to be something they find wrong all the time. It's always going to be chasing that kind of acceptance and that kind of like, I, I guess, I guess love it's, it's that conditional love of, you know, if you can keep chasing the stick, like we're going to keep, you know, we're going to keep taking care of you. But if you veer off in a way we don't think you should, then <laughs> that's a problem. But well, yeah. um, and it's coming from a guy from, a, like I said, I had a very abusive home. Like my mom right. was arrested and all this stuff. Yeah. And so I was just looking for love. And so the only place I knew of that was at church mm. and I just never could find it. So I would say that, oh yeah, I'm sold out to this. But then at the same time inside, I definitely was not feeling yeah. that way. Right. Right. Uh, do, do you feel like the, do you feel like the church latched onto that? Like that knowledge of like, oh, you needed acceptance or do you feel like that was something you kind of kept to yourself and you were the only one feeling that kind of contradiction inside? I honestly, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I would, I don't think the church knew and tried to take advantage of it or anything malicious yeah. that way. Um, at least the people in my church growing up, uh, maybe in other areas, maybe the other places. Uh, but no, honestly, I did never felt like they were just trying to manipulate me, like knowing the fact that that's what I was seeking. Um, I think that they were honestly thinking that they were doing the right thing is being browbeating you. Uh, right. Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah. honestly don't think that was, it was intentional. It's just, it's almost like they're nat- the natural culture of that world. So right. To speak. Right. Yeah. No. And I asked that and, and I'm, you know, for anyone listening, I'm not, I'm not trying to bait you into saying like, Oh yeah, they were definitely trying to latch on and, and abuse me or something like that. But I've encountered, and I'm sure you have as well. I've encountered people on both sides of that spectrum where, you know, I've had the, the people who want to take you out to lunch because they're genuinely trying to like, make sure you're good. And like, take care of you. And then there's the other people where everything is leverage and everything is to get you to do something that benefits them. And so I'm always curious when someone does have a background where they're, you know, they can identify some perceived weakness that they can latch onto. There are those people that tend to rise up and, and latch onto the thing. So I was curious what your experience was there. Yeah, um, it, it was, it was, it, yeah it's very strange because in a sense I was always uh, like I said, I was always trying to please, but even after, but honestly, it was just more like, it was just kind of like, will shut up and get in line. It was more, it was less of trying to manipulate just, Hey, shut up and just do what you're told. I mean, for example, um, again, my mom was arrested and my youth pastor forgot, uh, my dad forgot he had an appointment with my youth pastor to come over. My youth pastor showed up about 20 minutes after the arrest took place. Mm. So we're all like, literally I held my mom down while she was handcuffed because she was going crazy. Um, and he, and he sees us kids. We're just bawling because Oh, my word that was crazy yeah and he um honestly he never really followed up he just kind of was like hey are you guys doing good I'm like i kind of i don't and i don't know then he took my brother out um out to day, out to lunch and then myself i had to ask to go out i kind of vented he goes yeah yeah well just obey your father and mother and that was it <laughs> mm, <laughs> and i'm like yeah. okay i need something more than just obey your father and mother like even right. a friendship during this would be helpful but anyway i digress right right um, so, so talk to me a little bit. I mean, this is the tail end of your senior year. You're already starting to get that kind of inkling of like, okay, somebody's not quite right. It's not, you know, maybe this isn't going to be the place I find just tons of acceptance and, and fulfillment, but you still proceeded off to Bible college. So can you, can you tell me about that transition from, you know, high school into your, your kind of Bible college years and maybe expectations versus reality when you arrived on campus? Oh, goodness. Yeah, it's so funny looking back. My oh, foolishness is foolishness, Will. Um, but I, 
because I, I honestly, I looked at my, my youth pastor's wife was actually the one who really caught stirred a lot of the pot. So I always was like, well, it's just, it's just her. That's mm. just who it is. It's just, she's always upset. You can never please her. Um, and you know, there's some people in the church who are just grumpy, but I always had this whole, like, Oh, you got to be gracious though, you know, work in unity or that, or I needed to learn how to just be better. Right. <laughs> and so I was like, well, not all of them could possibly be like that. And so I was like, I'm going to go to Fairhaven Baptist. And my pastor uh, sent me like a message on Facebook. I was like, hey, just so you know, I don't think you're going to fit in well there. And he was trying to look out for me, but that was about kind of about it. It wasn't really like, hey, let's sit down. I need to talk to you before you go there. Um, and so what ended up happening is I just went and I just remember I felt, believe it or not, I felt free at first because I was finally leaving all of it behind me. But then right. if anyone is familiar with Fairhaven Baptist, I mean, it was like I everyone was happy and go lucky and this place was great. I I was following the dress code and because that's what you do as a good Baptist. And first day of orientation, I instantly felt like I was like, I have made the worst mistake of my life. Right. And that was just, you know, and it was just because it was, you know, you had to check in and out. You we literally had I'm not sure if you know this, but they literally have a punch in system. Every time you leave your dorm, you punch a time card. Mm-hmm. Like they want to know where you're at. If you get called into work you have to get signed by a faculty member, but because you didn't put in a work pass 24 hours ahead of time, you're still going to get five demerits. Um, mm. It was, I was told I was lazy just for if you took a nap and I worked the night shift. Mm. So I don't know how you square that circle. You had to be in bed at a certain time up at a certain time, six, six 30. I think you had to be up every day. It doesn't matter. So yeah, I guess you could say, so it was weird because I went from this and I went back, I went to Fairhaven and then at this point I was like, Oh, it's just them. <laughs> right. it's just, again, you'd think I'd get the point now that this is the camp. No, these are the people you're associating with. So then I transferred to Crown because that's where my sister and brother-in-law went. Uh, Drew, uh, Drew Wright there. I had him on my channel as well to talk about similar uh, story. But then I went to Crown. And honestly, uh, outside of a couple of mishaps right off the bat, the first year was amazing. I was like, mm. yep, these are true Christians. Uh, now, granted, my first two weeks, I had an incident because I went to a restaurant and there were some friends that I knew that were there and they happened to be girls. And again, women are evil. You know this (laughs) (laughs) to them. And I came from, again, public school background and all that. So for me, I didn't really, I didn't, I was, it was weird for me to say hi to somebody and also felt like it was rude for me to see a friend, not talk to him. And I sat down and talked to him for like, I don't know, five minutes. And uh, Scott Pauly, like, you know, one of the high up people at Crown, his secretary pulled up and saw Crowny talking to these mm-hmm. girls and called uh, the Dr. E and he showed up and it was this whole like you in my office tomorrow morning at 9am and I was terrified and angry at the same time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that. It was, it was weird. It was this very strange thing where I just kept thinking it was that particular person. So yeah. I just kept, oh, that this person's an issue. That person's got just got issues. And I didn't realize how all involved I got till I got to crown. And then I started talking to the different students that were all attached to it. And that's when it kind of started hitting me a little bit more that perhaps I'm in the wrong place. Right. Right. Yeah. It, Crown's an interesting place. That's probably the college I have the least familiarity with. Cause I don't recall ever we had, when I was in high school, we had West coast come through golden state, Bob Jones, Pensacola, um, Hiles Anderson, uh, Maranatha, everybody, but I don't ever recall. Maybe they just had a really boring tour group. I don't think we ever had Crown come through uh, 
to our school. Um, and maybe that's just because California wasn't on the, the list for them or <laughs> I, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I've talked to quite a few people who have a similar experience where like overall not bad compared to what you would get in that circle and, and definitely more conservative. I would say probably from what I can gather from looking at them, I would say like just more traditional conservative American value type school. Um, they don't seem necessarily to have the same insanity of like a Hiles Anderson where it's, you know, cheering and jumping off the roof when the pastor comes in the auditorium kind of thing. Um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, um, yes. And Scott Polly, he's somebody that's like a weird, mysterious person because there's a lot of people I know who are even outside the movement that are cool with him. And, you know, it's, it's, I'm always interested to get these like little side stories of crown because I have no interaction with them. Um, and no experience with them whatsoever. So, uh, that's, that's well, the reason why they kind of they tow a different kind of line um and they uh, i guess you could say they have a better decorum than some of these other places although they play very friendly with them yeah uh, i remember even when the whole thing happened with jack scott at, uh pastor sexton did the whole very he, he took a very even keeled approach uh he and it was so in that sense it was fine it was all the but there was the culture surrounding it and it was things that were happening in the back end that really mm-hmm. started getting to me so for example, when I got attacked by the Froyos thing, and I was just like, literally, I'm just talking to somebody, nothing's happening. Um, like, well, it's inappropriate. I'm like, how's it inappropriate? Because I talked to somebody, aren't we brothers and sisters in Christ? I just honestly, I had a hard time wrapping my brain around you don't it. Understand just, that. You understand that? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just trying to understand. Like, and I kept, and there was a, another time. So I'll just, I, I do, I can tell you a couple stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, there was another time I, uh, I got it, I was shopping for some clothes because you have to have, certain types of clothes when you're there. And I walked into Hollister trying to find at least some nice, like kind of casual uh, khaki slacks. And the lady was like, Hey, are you guys looking for a job? I'm like, actually, yes. I just came to college. She's like, be here tomorrow at this time. We're having an interview. And I got hired. Uh, and then a word got out that I got a job at Hollister, but I didn't turn in a work pass. See, and Hollister is a very bad place for you to work as a Christian. And <laughs> apparently <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, dude, I'm literally folding clothes and I wish the base was a little bit lower when I'm there. And I'm not honestly excited my style of clothes really, but I'm there. And I was, I mean, I literally remember I got a call from a coworker who was also uh, uh, working there. We both got the job at the same time. And I was walking down the hall because he's like, Dr. Evans wants to see us in his office. And I was walking down the hall and I hear literal screaming of just where's where is mr hess you tell him to get here right now or tell him it's another five demerits for every minute he's late i'm like dude you just called me when i was leaving the 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 campus like i'm sorry i can't teleport but i get in there and i and that here's the thing again coming from the abusive background i have no problem standing up for myself um so i got in there i sat down and i was instantly irritated because i just did not i don't appreciate that kind of tone in general yeah. Um, so he starts yelling at us across and talking about how it's a bad place to work. And I was like, how is it a worse place to work? He's like, well, they sell immodest clothes. They support homosexuality. I'm like, okay, do we have students that work at Walmart? He goes, well, yeah. I'm like, they sell mini skirts. They support homosexuality. They also sell alcohol, movies, and other media and things we don't agree with. And he goes, Mr. And he tells me, Mr. Hess, that is a place that we find to be more family friendly. I was like, how do you, again, how do you judge this? Yeah. And this was, like I said, these are things that are starting to break my brain from it. Just, I didn't understand how a Christian 
was supposed to work in, in the to them how a Christian should work in the secular work field. Um, they forced me to quit. And oddly enough, if oh. you do not put a two weeks de, uh, two weeks notice in that account, they give you forty demerits uh, because they said it's a bad testimony for for the college. <laughs> and meanwhile, you make me call my boss right then and there and quit. Right. Yeah. And I even told them I was like, "Well, what?" And uh, so, um, you know, I just found that very, and that was really when it started getting to me. Yeah. There was a lot of, like I said, there's all those little things, but it was like it was all behind the scenes. Where then all of a sudden you go to Crown and everyone is. Oh, I mean, that place is as proper as it comes, which is why they kind of get away with flying under the IFB radar. Right. This whole thing with Eric recently has yeah, been interesting yeah. and something that has I was, happened. I was going to ask you about Crown. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, right when it happened, uh, when the, the news came out, this whole Eric situation, uh, it didn't surprise me. They had a person on security at Crown once that had a sexual assault. Uh, really? On, uh, on his background. Yeah. And it was on security and other things like that that kind of went off in the background just kind of got brushed under the rug that I found out on uh, on campus. He he was and a he was a security guard working at the college who had a background. Yes. Okay. Okay. On on staff. Um, and mm. the, and if you might even see if I think it was uh, it was either yours or Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. One of you guys had somebody was talking about it in the comment section of something <laughs> okay. regarding that story. But so yeah. right when it happened, I was like, yep, not surprised. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, well, I guess I'll just address this now because I, I know that there's people listening to this who, you know, I know for all my listeners, there's a good chunk of them that are people that listen just to see what I'm going to say and who don't appreciate me and like to just hear and, and Can't imagine why they claims. don't like you. Yeah, it, it's, so the crown thing is interesting. I, don't, I actually don't think I've talked about it on the show outside of, the one video update I did, but uh, this, that, this whole situation is really weird. Uh, and um, not to pull us too far out of your interview, but, but since we're here, um, I, I want to just address it. But like th- this whole situation is so odd in the sense of, you know, I, I got tipped off that he was there and someone was seen there and they said, you know, Oh, it's, you know, basically the way that they, when they talked to the people that would definitely know, uh, they told him, oh, he's working with the dorms and he's helping do something there. And college was in sessions, I'm guessing like painting or something. He's doing something right. or working with guys during midweek Bible studies or something like he's doing something there. So I called the college the next day and they put me on hold for like two or three minutes. And then they get back on the phone and say like, I can't get anybody on the phone to confirm with you, which is a weird alternative to no he's not here <laughs> you know it's it's weird it's weird that a secretary can't just say no he doesn't work here nobody by that name works here and it's also weird that especially now where there's not like there wasn't any students on campus at the time that there was nobody that was free to take a call and confirm um and uh yeah so that was weird and then i called Clarence sexton's cell phone number um which I had gotten through somebody. And so I called, it rang twice, went to voicemail. I left a voicemail uh, or I tried to leave voicemail. I couldn't get through. I sent him a text. haven't got a response. Um, and I got an email like the, the, the next night or that night saying you were inquiring about Eric Marksack with like a spelling, like spelling. Is this how you spell it? Um, nobody here works by that name and nobody um, has worked here by that name. It, it was just worded in a very weird way. Um, 
word it in a safe way, a way that's like well, yes. technically lying, right? Like it just felt weird. It, it was weird that they specified like he wasn't on staff. I was like, but this guy's telling me that he's employed. And then I had another church member that reached out and said, yeah, he's definitely here. And so it was like, again, I can't just say like, oh, well, I know Crown is lying and Temple's lying and he's definitely, and I haven't said that in my post. I haven't said like, oh, they're straight up lying about this. But like I'm getting church members, like now three church members that have confirmed that he's there. One confirmed that he's a member while they said he's not a member. One confirmed that he was working with people there, but they're saying he's not. Uh, someone saying that, you know, oh, um, it's just really odd. And, and, you know, and there's just like weird stuff. Like Eric's, someone saw Eric sitting over in the deaf section and his wife sitting somewhere else. And it's just a weird, it's a weird situation. And so I'm sitting here going like, okay, I'll post crown statement because that's their statement. But then I also am like, I'm still getting sources telling me like, that's not true. This is happening. And so it's, it's a weird spot. And it, and it is like, do I hope that crown's telling the truth and they don't know who he is and this is totally wrong information? Yeah. But it's like, it just looks like it would look less weird. Trying to brush it under. Yeah. It would look less weird if I called and said, Hey, is Eric there? And they'd be like, who's that? (laughs) You know, but, (laughs) but but then it's like, you know, I know he's close to the mic, right? It's just a weird, it's, it's an odd situation. Um, And like you said, a lot of times when there is that decorum, you know, like Hiles is notoriously bad at keeping secrets and everything that they've tried to keep secret <laughs> gets out. But then you have colleges like Crown that are so polished and professional where, you know, they are not going to let anything get out that makes them look bad. And I would say even the same for um, like a Lancaster, like, like, and, and I've said this before on this too, like Lancaster is one of the lesser, I think, lesser of like evils when it comes to abuse and such. But when it comes to like the way it's run and like the kind of aggressive leadership style, like that stuff doesn't leak out very often. You have to get someone right. who's a former employee. Like I know a couple, get them out to lunch and talk to them. Like you're not going to get a blog post with a tell all like Hiles has had like a million times happen. So, but um, anyway, all that to say, I just want to address the crown thing because I know some people are really mad that I'm still posting about it or not being aggressive enough but I'm just posting the information I have as I get it and, and going from there. So, yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, uh, the po- there was a picture posted of him and I was like, yep, that's the death section because I worked in the death ministry. Right. Like, yeah. I'm like, I know exactly where he's standing. Like yeah. that's, it was clear enough evidence for me. Right. So yeah. uh, I'll be curious to see what more comes out on it. Honestly. Yeah. It, it's one of the, I, yeah, I, yeah, it, it's. I was hesitant to even say that he was there initially because I kind of wanted to let let it just breathe and see what happens. But I feel like now it's kind of like the thing of now that I've said something, it alters the course of what would have. But that's still, if that keeps him from being involved in any ministries there and keeps that kind of spotlight on it, that's fine with me. Um, but I kind of, there's part of me that was thinking about just waiting and seeing if they would announce him formally and try to slip it by that way. But Anyway, that's a detour, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, so, so you kind of got sick of it with this situation. You saw kind of the behind the scenes shenanigans that were going on for lack of a better word. Um, yep. And as you're seeing now, you're experiencing it now. They're very yeah. good at being polished and kind of like, like, I'm not lying to you, but I'm kind of lying to you kind of approach. Or to we're things. being specific in the way we're telling you the truth in that, you know, 
oh, it's not this, but there's a lot of area over here where a lot of things could be true. And yeah. you're not. And so, the, yeah. And it was, and when I would ask these things, I mean, I got called, I got pulled into the dean of student's office quite a few times. But what's funny is I was honestly trying to fly under the radar, but I just always found myself in a situation where I'm like, right. how is it me? When I first started dating my wife, she was like the golden child, especially in the deaf ministry. So when the rebel kid, I, I had a reputation for being that, which somehow I got that and then got with, this golden child, it became this outright panic hmm. uh, at Crown. Um, and it was this, you know, people were like, oh, it's Callie, don't be with him. He's he's just, he's a terrible person. And uh, and I just remember going through all that, trying to navigate it as well. But uh, the thing is, honestly, uh, if you have time for just uh, th- what really actually, the straw that broke the camel's back, honestly, was the way it ha- was handled with my wife. I was, mm. you know, there's all these things I kept getting pulled into the office and I would literally ask like, okay, where does it say this in the Bible? I'm trying to understand. Uh, um, and I was just be told, this is what the administration has chosen. I'm like, yeah, but that's not, that's not what <laughs> I'm just yeah. trying to understand how to walk the, live the Christian life. And so then I got with my wife and the thing is she was an off campus student cause she actually was older um, and she, she's two years older than me. She lived off campus. And the only time I could see her was, off campus, really, outside of that school. And that's, you probably know the IFB world, you do not go on unchaperoned dates. And at this point, I, I was getting so frustrated with it all, where I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go out. And, you know, um, as far as everyone knows, I'm at work. And uh, so, so we, we would go and some, and ironically, a person who was kicked out of the college for sexually harassing underage girls from what I understand. He was the one who actually whistle blew and was like, Oh, I saw them out and called cause whatever. Um, then anyway, I got pulled into the office and what they were at and he was like, are you seeing da, 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 da? When did you guys start seeing each other and starts going on this whole thing? I was like, look, I will explain everything to you and tell you everything. Just don't yell at me and treat me like a child. You're he's like, no, I'm the authority here. And I was like, no, no, I'm a man and you're a man. We're going to talk man to man. Uh, and, like you could tell, I was just like, again, fed up. And uh, Dr. Evans, he, he literally was like, are you having sexual relations with her? And I was like, no. And, his, it, and he kept repeating the question. I was like, no, 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 no. And he's like, well, would they tell you at McDonald's together? I'm like, last time I checked, you don't have sex at McDonald's. <laughs> but like, you know, I was like, dude, like, I'm not. And, and then finally, uh, this might get a little, I don't mean to be graphic, but I finally just kind of snapped. I was like, yes, fine. You know, every single night we go, every single Friday night, we go out to the, the Golden Globe Club, we party it up, we get trash and we go to the nearest hotel and we have the nastiest sense to make the porn star blush. And then he gave me this look that he was, uh, he was not thrilled with that. And he, he's, like, he's like, I do not appreciate your sarcasm, Mr. Hess. And I was like, okay, but right. you will not take no for an answer. Yeah. So what do you want from me? And we went back and forth. And now keep in mind at this point, my, 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 my wife's family, her dad is definitely way more IFB. They called him and literally the quote was, while my wife is sitting in the office, we can no longer guarantee your daughter's purity. As if one is your place as the is there a place to guarantee education. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and instantly was like, we think this boy, uh, he's, he's had trouble, been in trouble here. He's trying to take advantage of your daughter, the whole nine yards. And then that moment, my, uh, it was two weeks before graduation. And I was told basically they're not kicking me out because it's two weeks before graduation. So they at least wanted me to get my credits. Um, we, her and I were told we could not communicate with each other during those two weeks. And, uh, 
I shot her a text. I was like, hey, how are you doing? She's like, and my wife was such a crownie. Like she was so bought into it. And I was, I was so fed up with it. And uh, it's just like, we're not supposed to be talking. And I was like, look, they don't have your phone. They can't legally ask for your phone. We can talk. Yeah. And uh, it took about two days of me like constantly prodding her. And then she was like, okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, then what happened though was it put her, my relationship on the, my, the rocks hard with her parents. Mm. I'll save you all the details, but it was like this. Her dad called and told me to break up with her. And I was like, I'm not going to because I haven't done anything wrong. <laughs> right. And uh, I was like, I feel like we could just sit down and talk about this. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings. And of course, he wasn't listening. Um, then they actually took away, or they took her off of their car insurance. So she couldn't mm. drive her car, uh, trying to incentivize her. And I literally told her like, look, if you want to just, I was like, your family's important. Like her, she idolized her mother. And I was like, if your, your family's important, like, please, so if you need to choose them over me, I understand, but please don't just drag me along and break it off at the last moment. And she was like, nope, I chose to love you and they're going to learn to love you too. And I was like, you have never been more hot <laughs> in my life. And uh, then this whole thing went on. Uh, they did a surprise ambush visit from Washington to Tennessee. And basically it was like, we're going to have dinner with you tonight. And we're going to, and basically we're like, we expect you to come home. They just wanted it up and move her. And she's like, I don't know what to do. And I told her, I was like, Hey, you know, I had like $600 in my name at this point. <laughs> I was like, look, tell them uh, I'd like to be at dinner. And I was like, and if they're willing to do that, I will pay for everything. I just want to try to clear the air. And they refused. And um, so Kelly did it and ended up being like, well, if you're not willing to try to work this out properly, then we're not, I'm not meeting for dinner. And then essentially they disowned her, uh, tried to get us to break up. And it was, uh, two weeks before our wedding, they finally sent like $200 as like a help with the wedding gift. And I met my father-in-law the day before our wedding. And then right after we got married, they were suddenly hunky-dory with us, which was really awkward. And I was still like, nah, you guys did some, some stuff. And then what ended up happening was uh, about nine months later, her mom got cancer. And my wife uh, was like, I want to go take care of my mom. And I'm over there like, after everything they did with us, to us there's no way. Um, and then I was like, no, nope, you know, and I decided I realized I was being bitter and I need to be forgiving. So she went up there and long story short, over the course of a couple of years, my, her, my mother-in-law actually passed away. But through that mm -hmm. time, after our first year and a half of marriage, we finally started rebuilding a relationship with them. Right. And basically crown college was the one who took my, the possibility of me getting to know my mother-in-law this last couple of years and threw it out the door because they decided to say horrible things that were way out of place. Right. Uh, so that was literally, the, that was the straw. That was where I was like, I am done with this. And I finally realized it was the movement. It was this type of people not that particular person and all my excuses that I was previously running with just crumbled. So, right. Right. That's a long uh, story. I apologize. <laughs> no, no worries. Um, so, so, I mean, obviously time has been a big factor, but, but what else helped you as you kind of moved out of that world to kind of adjust to, you know, I mean, obviously you're still Christian now and, you know, you're hosting this podcast, which I want to talk about for sure here. Um, but what was the biggest thing to help you kind of through the recovering I guess, process for lack of a better word, uh, moving out of that kind of like legalistic controlling environment. Oh, that was, that's a good question. It was, and I've said this before, um, you know, it was really the idea of like, okay, I got to stop letting people tell me what to think about God. 
Mm. I got to stop letting people tell me what is a good Christian. I got to stop asking for answers for there and just go straight to the source. Um, mm. So I started rereading the Bible, trying to re-understand it. And I started going through issue by issue. I started a blog, uh, Issues in the Church. Um, and I don't even agree with my old blog. Uh, it's kind of funny, but I leave it up just for, I don't know, my own torture. But uh, then what, what I started doing is I started kind of deconstructing. Uh, okay, what does the Bible say about dress? Okay, so I'd, st- I'd study it all out. Okay, what does it really say about music? And I'd study it all out. And then once I started realizing that I basically have had a tradition, a tradition of man, a lie, um, it really helped me. And for some people, it has the opposite effect. Once they realize that they kind of, and you, I know uh, on the Preacher Boys uh, Facebook page, you have a huge diverse group of people right. <laughs> uh, who land in different places. <laughs> and some people, they take God, IFB, Bible, Christian, conservatism, all in one lump and they throw it out. And for me, I, I'm, I guess maybe it's due to my analytical nature. I much more, I'm going to lose each strap piece by piece and, and I'm going to dissect it to pieces before I make a decision. And, and that's kind of what it was. It was just, I'm going to take the time to look at the word, see what the word says, yeah. and then I'm going to go seek answers from there. So that yeah. really helped me. It was just this idea of what is true. And I felt, I feel like Pilate, what is truth? And that was me. <laughs> I, I honestly didn't even know like, okay, am I even going to be in church? Is is what if I look into this and it all falls apart? And what I found was actually the Bible is more robust than they had ever told me, but not the way they told me it at all. And the fact that there were certain truths that they had that they had twisted and ran with. Yeah. Um, so I, that was that was my thing was just understanding things better. I wanted to understand truth, and so that's why I did. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. And yeah, I had someone uh, someone reach out to me today and was like, "You're." You know, I'm all for client abuse, but like they were, they're upset because some of my, you know, followers or listeners or whatever, you know, are more aggressive or, or have, you know, have bigger issues with the church at large or with Christianity at large. And my response to that stuff is always the same of, you have to understand one, I want those people to always feel comfortable within the context of this, because this group is not a, you know, I'm not running a church. I'm, I'm running like literally a group of support for people who've been hurt, you know, within the church. Um, and, you know, someone who's been sexually abused, who's not a Christian is just as valid and important as someone who is. Um, but, you know, I always reach out. I say, I, I understand how some people with the introduction that they had to Christianity, with the experience they had are as mad as they are. And I also understand that other personality types are analytical, going to pick it apart piece by piece. And I, other sides are going to, you know, try to stick with it as long as they can. And, you know, what I've tried to make preacher boys be is a place where all of those people can be in a community with each other and like help each other through that process. And that gets messy, but whatever you're non-exclusionary in the type of people that you're trying to help, it's going to get messy. And that I sound very neo-evangelical right now, but you know, you have to have that mess. You have to have those, those relationships there. Um, And so you know, when people get upset that there's angry people that listen to my show, yeah, and I was angry for a period, and everybody leaves as angry for a period, and Same. and I think a lot of that's rightful anger. I think there's a lot of things where it's yeah. it's okay to be angry about some <laughs> of that stuff. Do I think that you know you have to learn how to use that anger in an effective way, and how to you know also not vilify people who are good people who are in the movement? Yeah, yeah all that stuff's important. But you have to meet people where they're at, um, and so. Um, well, yeah, and 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, even the Bible says, be angry and sin not. God has been angry before. There is a righteous anger. It is a, yeah. that whole idea of like, oh, people get are, are angry that listen, listen, it doesn't stick because, well, yeah, maybe they're rightfully angry. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and maybe it, they're not. Maybe they're bitter and angry people. Maybe they're horrible, like very angry and hateful. Right. But they're working through something. And that's where ministry is at is people, you, you got to work with people right. you know, where they're at. Right. Exactly. Um, but you, you raise an interesting point and, and I, I wanted to talk to you about this just with the nature of your show, because, you know, you're, you're doing the show, the church split, you're, you're really passionate about people having conversations where it's not blown out of proportion. It's not going to blow up in their face for asking a question. <laughs> and so uh, what kind of, what kind of fueled that kind of idea for a show and, um, maybe just give like a couple things you've learned doing the show for like facilitating conversations that are hard to have with other Christians or non-Christians oh, yeah. or other people in general. Oh uh, yeah. Um, That's an easy question. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I what feel that was years upon years upon years, my entire life, I've literally told people I've experienced every form of abuse before I was 12 years old. Hmm. Um, everything from physical to sexual, all of it. I've experienced all of it. And with all the anger that I dealt with at home and the, and the yelling and the screaming and the irrational slander that happened there and then go to church. And then no matter what I did, it was manipulated and make me the bad guy. And then I go to crown and, and Fairhaven, no matter what I do, it's wrong. And everyone is yelling. And then I go pastor a church and I'm finally like, all right, I'm leaving the IFB behind me. And then it happens again. I literally had one guy, I was just talking about unity in the church at a board meeting because I could tell there's tension in the church. There's like two factions against each other. They're both vying for my control. And right when I started kind of talking about some of this, and this guy literally stands up, screams at me, goes, you know what? I got a lot of problems with what's going around around here. And Will, you're right at the center of it. Storm slams the door. And I'm sitting there like just shell-shocked. Like, what was that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then a board member stand up and tried to pursue them. And I'm like, no, sit down. We don't pander to tantrums. And they're like, oh, okay. I'm like, I'm not doing that. And I guess you could say over a lifetime of screaming, I'm tired of it. Uh, I am exhausted of it. Um, I look in the New Testament. And I don't see Paul screaming. I see yeah. him in Acts 17 reasoning, you know, we, and so that really started coming in where I'm like, well, how Christians should be the most gracious people who can have difficult conversations. Yet I find them to be some of the most slanderous people. When you start, mm -hmm. they start yelling, they start becoming unreasonable, um, emotionally fueled. Just go to my, go to my comment section, uh, sometime <laughs> on one of my KJV only videos. Good night. Uh, it's just, it's instantly fueled. And I was like, you know, Christians should be the ones who can learn how to give an apologia, give a defense defense of the faith and also give a defense of your position and learn from each other. So apologetics became huge. And as I saw people having these difficult conversations and navigating them well in apologetics and also in politics and the debate field, I became more and more passionate about that. And I wanted to create a place where, where that could happen. I was like, I want to do this and I'm not the arbiter of truth. Will's not always right. I had to redo my baptism video because I got some things wrong on it. So I just republished that. I took down the old one because no sense of having half truths up. Um, and, you know, and I welcome that. I welcome that discourse. And, and I think Christians would do better if they did the same. Uh, you can learn so much more from having a conversation where you disagree with. And you might find yourself that you're wrong. 
if you're reasonable, but you first have to, and they've actually done studies. Uh, as soon as somebody says something that you disagree with, or somebody says a comment on Facebook, even it triggers the same part of your brain as self-defense. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, the fight or flight, that same part of the brain fires and it makes you instantly get defensive. That's why people get so vitriolic when things go down. And so it's like learning how to control that first hair trigger knee jerk response. Yeah. You know, right when somebody says something that you disagree, you don't want to just engage. So anyway, I'm going on no. it's my sandbox, <laughs> but yeah. it's just, how, how can we have that conversation? And that's what made me passionate about doing something like the church split and my church split. And I was trying to find something catchy. What's something that says what I do in a name? Uh, the church split seemed to work. Um, unfortunately, some people mean that I've either left the church or that I am purposely trying to split churches. There's that idea as well. I've done an abortion video and I comments like the church is not split on abortion. I'm like, no, did you even click on it? Do you, right. what are you doing? <laughs> I'm no, I'm no stranger to people assuming things from my headlines. Um, yeah, I oh, definitely, yeah, I definitely get you. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a really good topic and it's something where, you know, even outside the context of just like theology and, and, you know, obviously on the show, I'm, I'm not primarily diving into like the theological. I've done episodes where I get into that and it's, it's a big part of my way of thinking. So it's going to come into these kind of conversations, but you know, just the fact, uh, uh, I mean, it's, it's a cliche quote within, I think many reform circles, but you know, uh, St. Augustine in essentials, unity in non-essentials, liberty in all things, charity, you know, that's, that's a Absolutely. statement when you could really nail that down. Um, cause I have people, I've had people who've gotten, you know, who've stopped listening to the show because I've had a guest on who, you know, is trans, or I've had people who've stopped listening to the show because I have a guest on who, um, you know, is not a Christian anymore, or I have someone on who ABC fill in the blank. And, um, and on the flip side, you know, I've had people who've said they're going to stop listening to the show because they think I'm homophobic or I've said something that's like offensive or, or, and it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, I sit there and, you know, at the end of the day, I look, I, I just look at the show itself and I look at my conversations themselves and I'm like, there's been no person who's come who has a story to tell who I've turned away from the show because of some like belief system or, or because, oh, because they are, you know, they're a non-believer or they're an atheist or they're, they are, um, you know, maybe they are, you know, whatever, fill in the blank, whatever that can be. Right. And when I sit there, I'm just thinking, I'm like, at the end of the day, why do I get to decide who is valid as a person and who's worth my time as a human being? Like, like taking, taking right. back, like, and, and I don't even think, let me rephrase that. I don't think you have to take your theology out of it. I think my theology fuels that because I saw, I, I see Jesus in the, in the new Testament being very charitable and very kind and loving on people who were never going to follow him, who were never going to be in agreement with him, but that didn't stop him from feeding them or from healing them or for trying to help them. And I'm not putting myself as the Jesus role here, but I look at that and say like, Jesus would love people who aren't going to follow him. So as his followers, shouldn't I do the same thing? Like, and, and I just Absolutely. don't, we're supposed to reflect Christ. Right. And, and so, yeah, I just, I think, I think it's important to be able to have these conversations and be able to sit there, talk for an hour with someone who you may have a fundamental disagreement with. And at the mm -hmm. end of that day, still say, I am your friend. I'm here for you. I care for you. If there's anything you need, 
let me know. And yeah. that and one that statement not, is, is enough Christian? to cause a split. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I, <laughs> I, I've, I, you know, I've had the same thing where it's like, you know, he literally said that Jesus was hanging out with the tax collectors and sinners and he was being scorned for it. And it's like, hey, for me to have a conversation with somebody, that's not evil. Right. You know, it's not like I'm encouraging the fact that, oh, I agree with everything. It's just, well, let me be an ear. And unfo- it, what's been kind of funny is that all the all the people I've had on I actually agree with so far um, for the most part. Uh, but uh, then there's been, um, you know, uh, at the same time, you know, I've reached out to other people who I do disagree with and they don't really want to come on. But I had a, a an interview with God is Gray. We did a rebuttal mm-hmm. video for those who don't know. So it's a California Christianity channel, man. It is hyper, hyper liberal. Um, very progressive. Uh, mm. She's LGBT affirming and all that. And uh, we had a conversation with her about abortion. And I got people got angry because like, why? I had some people being like, why didn't you push harder? You should have pushed her harder on that issue. And I'm like, well, because I'm having a, the, the goal is to have a conversation and dis, and have find those disagreements and be able to not push each other and punch each other in the face verbally. And the whole point is to be reasonable. And, uh, you know, and Paul, again, I the only time you really see Jesus lashing out was when people were twisting things, uh, uh, things of God, so to speak. So anyway, yeah, I I think that's awesome that you do that (laughs) personally. That's great. So, yeah. And I, um, you know, again, that's, that goes back to the group. I mean, that's a goal, um, you know, for anybody that's using the group too. Like, I mean, that's something where, I, I want to see that. And and I hate censoring conversations. Like I like people to just be able to talk and, and, but we also just live in a, I mean, even our culture, I don't want to be that guy. That's like, Oh, in our culture today, people can have a conversation, but we live in a very politicized, very kind of angry culture in which, you know, you have to be right or left or, and when you're not, it's polarized. You're, both sides look at you and go like, you need to pick which side you're on. And, you know, I, my goal for, my goal for preacher boys, my goal for the group is just for there to be that middle ground where we can say, okay, can we all agree abuse is wrong? Can we all agree that, you know, some of the things we experienced are very, very wrong and share that kind of community around that and then help each other heal. And that doesn't mean that we're all going to be reformed Baptist to, you know, fill in the blank, you know, or it doesn't mean we're all going to be, uh, you know, Wiccan, you know, fill in the <laughs> blank on this side, but right. I, but I would love for it to be, and I've tried to, I've tried to kind of give an example of this on the show is, can we ha- sit down and have that talk and have that conversation and be empathetic? Like if I could say one word that I want people to walk away from the show with, it's empathy and mm-hmm. um, empathy for people who've been hurt, empathy for people who need help and just empathy, like just empathy for people in general. And there's way yeah. too little of that uh, in the world, but that's my soapbox, but I'll get off that. So, well, I think, I, and that's great as someone who's experienced abuse and I've experienced abuse within the IFB itself. Mine was more spiritual abuse. Right. Yeah. And that was what stuck out to me when I found your, found your show. And I was like, what is this? I'm like, wow, this guy's really actually trying to make a difference. He's having those difficult conversations and having abuse conversations isn't easy as a pastor who has counseled people through some yeah. crazy abuse it's not easy because you're just hearing the worst things that have happened to people. Um, you know, and for myself, and I think it's great that you're looking for empathy there because, uh, I've told people before, cause I guess maybe it's my a survival mechanism as a human, I became apathetic. And to this day, mm-hmm. I've, my wife calls me a robot. She's like, honey, why don't you ever have uh, better feelings on some of these, some of these things? Like it'd be helpful. Uh, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm trying. I really do try to show, show um, empathy, yeah. but 
honestly, I'm more naturally apathetic. My dog just found her way into my studio. Get out. No worries. No, that's funny. Um, yeah, my, but see, again, that's where it's, it's, it's being able to understand that. Like everybody responds differently to this stuff. And, um, I'm the other side, like I'm extremely empathetic to the point where, you know, I have to force myself to be a little bit apathetic doing some of this stuff because, um, it is, there was, uh, I don't know if I've talked about this on the show, but like when all the Hopewell stuff was going down, um, mm-hmm. there was Hopewell, um, in Napa was going down, like all of this stuff was just about to burst. This whole dam was about to burst with Mark Zach. And, um, and then there was like two other cases that I still can't like legally share anything about that were happening at the same time. And I just pulled, I'm a total like liberal Californian, but I I live in Nevada, but I pulled off into like the whole foods parking lot near my house. And I literally just started crying. And I was like, and it wasn't because I, like, I I know Mike, right? Like I know who he is and stuff, but like, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know the people affected by this, but I'm sitting there going like, I used to go to conferences to hear this guy speak. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I used to grow up thinking that this guy who ran this organization was like the be all end all. And I used to think that this church was a great bastion of righteousness in the middle of the U S and, and, you know, you sit there just, you know, just weeping over the fact that like, there's, this is broken and, you know, is there broken situations everywhere? Like it, it, does this happen in other denominations? Yeah. But it's like, I spent I spent 18 years being 100% convinced that none of this stuff happened. And to sit there knowing that people who influenced you, people influence people you love, people who went to these people's Bible colleges that you know, and then there's this dark underbelly to it. And there's, you know, in the case of Hopewell, six or seven people who've been right. affected and not to, not to even counting their families, their children who are being hurt by this trauma and then the church's response is to brush under the rug. Like that just hit me. And that's what I actually took a break from the show for a month after that um, was that's where I just literally came in. I was like, I don't know what I need to do, but I just need to pause this and, and take a step back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, but again, that's, that's one of those things like everybody is processing. And, and I, I think people don't even understand that when they message me is like, I do feel every single call that I get and message that I get. Um, and I think some people just think, Oh, I'm excited for more ammo or they look at me and think right. that I, you know, I'm doing it for numbers and blah, 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 blah. It's like, if I wanted to just make a ton of money and like be super popular for something like this would not have been, there's a reason I didn't do this graduating high school. Like it's been a long time yeah. to kind of default into this. And so, um, and now, I mean, I'm very passionate about it and, and thankful for the chance to do it, but it is, it's, it's, it's very hard trying to understand how different people like you and I just sitting here have two very different ways of processing trauma and processing yeah. experiences, but we can help encourage each other, build each other up and walk through it with each other. I think that's and really now one important. of those greater than the other. And that's why I, right. my wife is very empathetic. And, um, and I think that's great. And I, I actually, man, there's a period of time. I literally was like, Will, you're broken. Like you don't feel stuff like other yeah. people feel stuff. And I said this before, someone like myself who struggles with more apathy of going, I don't care. Like, and that's why I say all the time, like, I, that's why I do the church split. Like, I don't care if I hurt someone's feelings. Boo-hoo. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's literally, uh, but at the same time, you know, my wife, helped me, she's empathetic. she helps put me like, no, you remember, you do have to care. 
Yeah. And then, you know, somebody who's highly empathetic like her sometimes needs that person who goes, hey, no, it's okay to take a stand here. And right. it's, and that's great that we're human and we're only going to have, we all have our own ways of handling things. Um, yeah. I can totally understand where you're coming from. I, because I actually never had a breakdown. I used to think I was broken. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm not, a, I'm a psychopath. <laughs> no, but it, it's good. Yeah. And like you said, it's that tension and that's kind of what it all, like my wife's the same, like my wife is a little bit like colder and like, I, I wouldn't say she's apathetic, but I would say that she's like better at just like, she heard something bad and she's like, well, this is what we need to do. Like if there was a car accident, mm-hmm. she'd be the one that'd be like, like the person like helping them. And I'd be the person that's like, I'm going to, who do I call? What do I do? And, um, you know, but it's, it's a good tension where like, there's times I default into like, I need to help everybody. I'm not going to sleep. I got to call, you know, call this person. I got to check in with this person. I make sure this person's okay. And then she'll be the person that says like, you need to let someone else take care of it and you need to stop and, and take a break. And vice versa, like when she's really cold on something and she's like, I'm like, maybe you should just like have a little bit more empathy toward their situation. Like it balances each other out really, really well. Yeah, um, and I think, I think that's awesome. But uh, well, hey, I mean, I could, I mean, I could talk about this all day long. Um, and I, we've, we've actually, this is a good, I think it's a good length episode because um, we're usually around 45 minutes or so. So I'm, I really like this conversation. Uh, but for people who want to hear more from you, if they want to check out your content, if they want to uh, hear more of the stuff you're putting out, what's the best place uh, for someone to connect with you and to find out more about the church split? Uh, if you honestly, it's YouTube primarily. We're primarily a YouTube channel. Uh, like I said, I used to do a blog, but I'm a terrible writer. <laughs> and so I am way better at talking. So yeah, uh, just the church split on YouTube. Um, you can also find us on all social media. I'm most active on Facebook. Uh, Twitter is cancer and Instagram is annoying, uh, but I do post on all, all of them, but Twitter, I'm the least active. Um, but yeah, the church split on, um, on YouTube and Facebook would be great. And if you have any questions regarding anything, I welcome anyone to message us. Um, and if you have a request on something you want us to tackle, you can also email us at the church split at gmail.com. We'd be more than happy to have any conversation with you. We can. So um, our goal is to promote unity in the church church through truth and not to be uh, afraid of having dicey conversations, which might mean you might come, you might hear some things, especially in that God is gray interview. You might hear some us talk about some content that makes you uncomfortable because we talk pretty openly about some topics, but it is what it is. So come check us out if you like it. Um, if you hate me, go ahead and still subscribe to the channel, but just hit the dislike button. Let right. you two know you're interested. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, Will, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks man for having me. Thank you for listening to the Preacher Boys podcast. If you appreciated the content on the show, please leave a review on iTunes and don't forget to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the handle at Preacher Boys Doc. Additional information can always be found on PreacherBoysDoc.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.